been spending the last few weeks in the 11th chapter of Hebrews studying faith, looking at the characters that the writer of Hebrews presents to us as the examples and the models of faith for us to follow. Because faith is, is, is really foundational to the Christian life. Faith becomes the framework in how we see everything around us. It shapes our perspective. First week we looked at Abel. He showed us a life of faith that starts with the attitude in our hearts. He showed us the worship of God by faith. And he showed us that by faith we give God our best. And he showed us the justification of our faith. Then we looked at Enoch, because by faith he was able to walk with God. By faith he pleased God, and he showed us how to continue by faith. Enoch showed us the worship of God and the walk of faith. He shows us a life that we call sanctification, a life that's striving to get closer to God and become more holy in everything they do. We, we had almost this image of Enoch walking hand in hand with God, just continuing right into heaven. What a beautiful imagery for us in terms of our walk with God. Someday, as we walk with God, as we walk with Jesus, it's going to be that same way. He's just going to walk us right into heaven. And then we studied Noah, who by faith was obedient. By faith, he showed us how to work by faith. Noah's obedient faith was a result of something that he hoped for, something that was to come in the future. And in that process, he became a witness to the world around him. But for each of these men, their relationship with God and their salvation was a result of their faith. They believed God, they obeyed God, they trusted God to fulfill whatever he had promised them. Tonight, we're going to cover Abraham. He's the next character in our 11th chapter of Hebrews. And as we look at the faith of Abraham, we're going to start to see a big picture of faith, a complete picture of faith. He's often referred to as the father of faith because he offers us an example of a life that's truly lived by faith. And his life is meant to serve as a model for us. When Stephen, just before he was stoned and he was sharing in Acts chapter 7, and he started sharing about the message of salvation, he started at the very beginning. He started with Abraham because he's the father of our faith. Paul states in Galatians 3.7, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. He's the father of faith. Abraham believed God. He was set apart because he lived by faith. He accepted the word of God and he acted on it. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 8. 
By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed, by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. After the floods in Genesis, chapter 7 and chapter 8, people are enjoying life. They're getting along really well. Maybe a little too well. Because in Genesis chapter 11, we have the Tower of Babel, where they're starting to build a tower. People are, are getting along so well, they're starting to forget about God. They're starting to forget the story of the flood. So God steps down and he confuses the people. Gives them all different languages, scatters them across the globe. And in their revolt against God, he abandons them. And so the people turn to idols and paganism. Abraham's father was one of those pagans. Joshua 24.2 reads like this. Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. Abraham was a pagan. There was no evidence to lead us to believe that Abraham was a worshiper of the one true God before God called him. He belonged to a pagan family, he belonged to a pagan culture, and he lived in a pagan city. And yet, God appeared to him. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, said this, God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia. Church, this is an encouragement for us. This gives us hope. Because God is truly a God of grace. In a pagan land of thousands, God calls out to one man, a sinner, a man who is immersed in idolatry. But God calls out to him. That's the starting point of every one of our Christian walks. It's the beginning of a Christian life, every one of us. But when God calls out to us, when he seeks us out, and he says, do you believe? How do you respond? Genesis 12. We'll start where Abraham's story begins. In verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Just like Abraham, we're faced with God's call to believe and obey or to continue going our own way. Because with obedience comes actions. When we choose, we have to do something. Our text tonight, verse 8, says... Abraham obeyed 
He obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham was called to leave his old life behind. He was called to break away from the worldly endeavors and the worldly patterns of life. See, the city of Ur was the place to be back then. It was a hotbed of activity. It was situated in such a way on the Tigris and Euphrates rivers that it was the wealthiest city of its time. The inhabitants of the city, they lived more comfortably than anybody else around them. And they lived more extravagantly than anyone else around them. But God called him out of that. For the follower of Christ, for me and you, we've been called out of the world as well. In 1 John 2, starting in verse 15, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It's the starting point of our Christian life of faith. When God calls, every one of us, and when we respond to him by our faith in Jesus Christ, we're set apart. We are set apart to be different. We're called to leave the world behind and live differently, live holy lives that bring honor and glory to our Father in heaven. James 4.4 4 says, You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy to God. You can't have it both ways. You can't accept the call of God by faith and then continue to go your way. Live your old ways. You can't have it both ways. Because faith and obedience are inseparable. Our obedience proves our faith is genuine. It proves that our faith is more than just words on a paper. Romans 1.5 Through Christ, God has given us the privilege, the privilege in authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Romans 16.26 but now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. When we live lives that are set apart, when we cast aside our worldly pursuits, our faith is proved true. Our faith grows stronger. And then we're able to withstand the trials the uncertainties of life that hit us, we can look ahead with hope when our faith is solid and firm. See, Abraham was called to leave behind the comfortable. He was called to leave behind the familiar. And he obeyed. But for what? It says he went out not knowing where he was going. 
It was truly a walk by faith, not by sight. And that's what our walk is all about. It's a walk of faith, not by sight. It's about trusting and obeying. We see this played out again in the lives of the disciples. They left everything to follow Jesus. At the calling of Peter, James, and John, they've been out fishing. And Luke 5.11 says, And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. At the calling of Matthew, who was Levi, Luke 5, chapter, Luke chapter 5, verse 27 says, Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Left everything. It's a complete trust in the character of God. His sovereignty, his goodness, and his faithfulness. See, when God reveals himself to us in calling us out of the darkness, when he calls us out of our sinful ways, when we catch that glimpse of him in all his glory, when he's overflowing with his mercy and grace, and we get just a glimpse of it, we have a decision to make. Are you going to trust and obey? Not knowing what lies ahead, but hungry. You want to know more about him. You want to see more of him. Or do you decide, you know what, that's too risky. It's too risky to leave all this stuff I know, all this stuff that's comfortable to me, and choose to do it your own way. Friends, it's far more risky to stay in the things you know. It's far more risky to stay comfortable. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly into the merciful God's hands of God. Let him direct your path and guide the way. It's much safer. Abraham left the safety of everything because he trusted God. He trusted God to be true and faithful to his character and faithful to fulfilling his promise. He knew that God was going to sustain him. He knew that God was never going to leave him nor forsake him. On the journey. God told Joshua the same thing 800 years later. Joshua 1 9. This is my command be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The last words Jesus spoke to his disciples Matthew 28 20. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have this confidence that when we respond to Jesus by faith, when we obey his commands by faith, he's going to sustain us. He's never going to leave our side. We can turn our backs on him. We can walk away from him anytime we want, but he will never walk away from you. Philippians 1.6 I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished 
on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Church, do we believe it? Do you trust in him to always lead the way? We have to wrestle this to the ground. We have to decide for ourselves. Do we believe the word? Do we trust him even when things don't go the way we expect? As we read in verse 9, things for Abraham had to appear a bit contradictory compared to what God had promised. Verse 9 said, By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. When Abraham finally gets to the promised land where God is sending him, there's no welcome sign. There's no, yay, Abraham's here. Welcome committee, party, let's have a party. There was none of that. He was a stranger in the land that was promised to him. In fact, he didn't even own a piece of the promised land. Acts 7.5 says that he didn't even have one square foot to call his own. But it was the land that God promised. And he's living in a tent on borrowed land. Now, walk of faith is not an easy one. When Jesus calls to us, when he says, come and follow me, he's not promising an easy road. In fact, he bids us, pick up your cross and follow me. That's why we need to know where our faith is. Is, it, is our faith grounded on the character and the promises of God? Or is it wrapped up in the worldly possessions and the things around us that are just slowly going to drift away anyway? See, Abraham was able to endure because his faith was grounded and remained in God and in God alone to guide his steps, to provide for him and to sustain him. And with his faith firmly rooted in God, even through the trials, what he got to see was the power of God's faith. What he got to see was the power of his faith in God. We're going to go back to Hebrews 11. We're going to start in verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. The promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12 included not only a place, it also included a people. In Genesis 15:5, it says that the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And again in Genesis 17, when he makes the covenant with Abraham, God says this, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. But Abraham and Sarah, they were way past their childbearing years. They were 99 and 90 
when God made this promise. Hence the reference to good as dead. It was an indication that their bodies were not able to bring forth new life. They had no children, and now being past the age of being able to bear children, there was no possibility from a human standpoint of them ever producing children. And that's why verse 11 is so significant. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. See, the writer of Hebrews is putting Sarah's faith at the same level as Abraham's. When Abraham was called to leave Ur, Sarah went with him. Through all the travels towards the promised land, putting up the tent, taking down the tent, Sarah was there. Husbands and wives, don't forget that this journey of faith is done together. The other point in this verse is that the mention of Sarah shows us that we can overcome our doubts. Remember, it was Sarah who concocted the plan for Abraham to sleep with her maidservant Hagar to produce an heir. And we all know how that turned out. Quite disastrous. And again, her doubt turns up again in Genesis 18. When the visitors come to Abraham to say, you're going to have a son. And listen, Genesis 18, starting in verse 10. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have displeasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. (laughs) But he said, yes, you did laugh. Now, first, you can't fool God, okay? When it comes to your life of faith, you may be able to fool all those around you, But God knows the truth. Secondly, Sarah had her doubts. But in the end, she believed. The mention of Sarah in this hall of faith gives us hope. Because for every one of us that doubts God, for every one of us whose faith weakens and falters, see, the only one to ever live a life of faith that was absolutely perfect was Jesus. But Sarah's story reminds us that God is faithful and that God is just and he's merciful to never leave our side. He'll continue to guide us. He'll continue to show us his faithfulness in the power of faith in our lives. 
when Sarah was reminded that it was the Lord who made the promise. Her faith was called back into action. Her faith was strengthened. See, doubts are going to come. But we can't stay on that side of doubt. We must remember the call. We must remember the promise of God upon our lives. We must come back to our foundation of faith, remembering all that God is for us. Because faith sees the possible in the impossible. Faith sees the visible in the invisible. Because that's the power of what faith is. God makes promises to us that cannot be fulfilled by mere human effort. So that he can fulfill them for those who believe. That's when he does his greatest work. Abraham was sure of God's calling to him. Abraham was certain of God's character and faithfulness to fulfill his purpose. He didn't need to know anything else. So often we get wrapped up in the, but I don't know, but I don't know, but I want to know this, but I want to know that. Abraham didn't know anything except God said go. And he did. Living a life of faith, it means stepping out and trusting God with the results. Because there are no guarantees. You may have successes and blessings, but you may not. The one certainty in living a life of faith is that God's will and purpose for your life, your life will be completed. Romans 8:28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Even when it doesn't happen the way we expect, he's using it to strengthen us. He's using it to grow your faith. A life of faith means that we want to be the men and women that God wants us to be, no matter where it leads us. We may not know the future, but by faith, we trust God with the details. Church, let's be a people that steps out by faith and follows where he's leading us. Let's challenge one another to trust and obey as we learn to live by faith day after day, becoming more like Jesus Christ day after day. I'll leave you with this last verse from John 8, verse 39. Our father is Abraham, they declared. No, Jesus replied, for if you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. Are we ready to take that step? Are we ready when God calls to just obey? not knowing where we're going. Holy Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for our time to celebrate and praise you tonight, Father. We pray that we honored you with the words from our lips. We pray that we honored and brought you glory, Father. 
as we leave this place, Father. May your word light a fire in us so that we can be the salt and light out in the community. May we let our light shine, point it back to you, Father. May all that we do point it right back to you, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen.